Why would I put my hand in my hand and then put my ball in my other hand? What? I guess for support. How many support? hands do you have? <laughs> uh, as you know, this is the measure of an episode. Or it is our continuing mission to explore what makes Star Trek, genuine Star Trek, and not just Star Wars Return of the Jedi. I'm Paul. Or on Stranger Tide. Or oh, I had so many. I had so many. <laughs> and we do this you with sure three. It wasn't I, one. No, I, I'd have to think about it again. But oh my god! And we do this with, with three criteria. The first one is: is there sci-fi needed in the plot for it to happen? For the plot to happen, not the sci-fi. Is the sci-fi unique or novel in its presentation? And is there an ethical or moral dilemma that a character faces? I'm disappointed. Yeah. Yeah, and I am too. And this week we watched Picard season three, episode 10, The Last Generation. And the blurb reads as follows. In a desperate last day, John Wick, Picard, and generations of crews, C-R-U-I-S-E, both old and new, fight together to save the galaxy from the greatest threat they've ever forced as the saga Star Trek. Did you say John Wick? Yeah. That's what it says right there in the... uh, In the blurb? In the blurb. That's I didn't see. I didn't see him in the. It must have been like in the background or something. Right. Yeah. He was. He was fighting all of the the Borg. That'd have been awesome if he just is there. It was so weird. Right. I've never seen any of those movies, so I have no idea what I'm talking about. Well, you know what you're talking about. You just don't know what it means. Like you know John Wick. You know that that is a character, and you know kind of what he does. I know he fights with guns and stuff, and he flips yeah. guns around, and he he does very. He, it seems like he does very little work to vanquish many bad guys like it seems like it's just very easy for him right he's bored with it yeah Yeah. i'm not done with the blurb blurb says the end of the blurb says the generation comes to a thrilling epic conclusion Mm. well it came to a conclusion it did did it did it conclude Uh, i mean like four or five times yeah exactly it ended so many times it ended so many times and And oh space balls that was another one that was another (laughs) and not just space balls well it's Um, hard to say space balls because space balls is ripping off of star wars so when you say space balls you're kind of saying star wars anyway yeah but like when it when it panned out to the borg cube and it's like (laughs) 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 yeah if the borg cube had looked like a giant maid with a vacuum cleaner I feel right. like that would have been a step too far. Yeah, yeah. Or like <laughs> just parts of it, you know, because it was 36% built. You're like, uh, it, maybe it's a cube, but maybe it's the start of a vacuum cleaner. Yeah, oh, yeah. so it could have been either. That's right. Yeah. Um, well, although I did, I did, I took that as 35% operational. So fully built, but 36% mm. operational because they were using all of their mojo to power the antenna array. Right. See, and I took all those bunny ear antenna off the sides of it to mean that they were still building the cube. But you know what? Doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I mean, that- we did get we did get a few things. There were a few interesting things. Like this this whole thing started off really well. I felt like the episode was primed to be a very epic season eight type of show. You know? Sure. Yeah. Because here's the thing. Uh I feel like the most props goes to their choice to make the theme song for Picard in this season the first contact theme song. 
Oh yeah, and not just first contact. That was another one. Right, and not just first, right. Uh, because we missed it. We missed a totally epic cue, clue, as to oh. who the villain was going to be. Wait, did you? They're both a cue and a clue. I mean, okay. I guess those, those could be the same thing. Okay, I wasn't sure it's if that not, was a Freudian slip or if that was a... It's not a cue clue. Okay. A cue, like, not Q-Q, but like C-U-E. Gotcha. Okay, okay. Man. <laughs> Sorry. Well, did you catch the stinger at the end? I did catch the stinger at the end. Okay, so you know why I was confused. Yeah. I, okay. I, I'm sorry. That was my fault. That was that was my fault for having an inept co-host. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're forgiven. <laughs> Just don't let it happen again. But we should have locked into this because it was so weird. They're like, why did they make this choice to make first contact theme the new Picard theme when they already had a previous new theme for season two. <laughs> right. Uh, so I, you know, I just was sort of like, oh, they're just, they're just throwing stuff at the wall for the sake of nostalgia, but we were wrong. Mm-hmm. That was a clue. Yeah. And we didn't get it because no. the, the villain was, as we know, and as you know, the Borg queen, not from Voyager, mind you, but from first contact. And here's how I know that. Okay. Yeah, here's please. How- Here's how we know that. Okay. It was played by Alice Kriege or Krieg, Kriege, K-R-I-G-E. Uh, All the super nerds will know how to pronounce her name. Right. Who played the original Borg Queen from First Contact. Gotcha. She voiced it. I don't know if the on-screen queen was her or if that was like some sort of weird puppet. If it was a puppet, dude, that would have been so rad. Right. But I don't think it was a puppet. It may have been CG. I don't know. They kept it kind of in the dark, most of mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, also, this is like Alien, this whole movie. Yeah. And also, I was I was mistaken. Not on Stranger Tide. Dead Man's Chest. That's the, episode, that's the movie I was thinking of. Oh, you're doing Pirates of the Caribbean? Yeah. Anyway, point being, that to me— We've seen this episode dozens of times. We, well, we've seen the movie. You know, yes, for, but it was whole... also Star Trek Prodigy. Let's Sleeping Borg Lie. Yeah, that's true. It's very true. I had, it's had strong vibes. I did not that. like this episode. <laughs> well, it's funny. It started at the top of the scale in terms of mm-hmm. good episodic television and just had a straight line downward yeah. as the time went on. Yeah. It's really weird. It's, it's like they just ran out of steam. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if I could put some more, some more heat on that. First of all, the flyby, the Enterprise D flyby, mm-hmm. when it comes out of warp and it kind of flies underneath the camera. It was interesting. Uh, it was nice to see that kind of scale on the Enterprise D. Usually in the show, that never happened. Even right. in the movies, you never yeah. got to look inside the windows. Everybody always had their curtains drawn in the movie. Well, although it did happen in First Contact, didn't it? I don't think you could see inside. And I, I mean, to the point where I think I... But didn't I they think go I in s- through a window? I th- I'm pretty sure they did. I think they, they pulled out from a Borg cube. Oh, you're right. That's, what, that's probably what I'm thinking of. Yeah. But... I mean, I think I saw the red. I think I saw Picard's ready room. I, th- I saw the conference room, mm-hmm. and I don't think you could see the bridge because I think there's no windows in the bridge. Right. But anyway, it was a cool flyby. It was a cool little moment yes, where you got to see up close the Enterprise D, the thing well, we've all we've seen so much. And as ridiculous as it was, I did appreciate the Enterprise D, like just at the scale of it above Riker and Worf and the Picards, like before they got beamed out. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. We don't you, you don't usually see people next to starships. Right. And it was still a little kind of obscured in terms of how far away mm-hmm. was the Enterprise. Like it was must have been still thousands of feet. 
Yeah. It started out going back a little bit. God, they, you know, the Borg Star Trek logo that happens at the very beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. That was very cool. Changed, they yep. changed that. Yeah. Yep. And okay, so we had this little moment uh, with Jupiter, We're hanging out at Jupiter, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the Enterprise rolls up Jupiter, mm-hmm. and they're like looking at it. And Jupiter's so big, dude, that uh-huh. this is like another Dyson sphere right. scale type of thing. Completely. Where they, mm-hmm. when they roll up to it, and it's like you see the shot of Enterprise and Jupiter in the in the background, they're still millions of miles away from that thing. Yes, millions. Like the distance, like. They were farther away from Jupiter than our moon is from us. Like that's oh, how far away. Yeah. yeah, they had to be. But, they're, but then they have it up on screen and Picard's like, there, and magnify. And I'm like, what do you think you saw, dude? Like you are, like there's no way your little eyeball, I guess he has a positronic brain, so maybe that was helping him out. But there's no way he could have seen this little speck. I mean, the, the Borg cube is, is large. But yes. in terms of how big Jupiter is, Right. There's no way you could have just spotted it. It's like there, yes. Well, and magnify. Yeah, unless the ship was helping him out to like kind of identify areas where there might be anomalies. Like, well, he was leaning on data a little bit. Like he knew there must be something out there, and he just set it to look good in front of the other queue. And like, hopefully, data found something from to magnify in on. And data was like, oh, he must mean here, right? Because right. this is the only abnormal thing, and it worked. Yeah, but yeah, that whole little like in the eye or that giant, what they call it, the purple spot or the red spot of Jupiter, that's like a giant storm that's been mm-hmm. happening for thousands of years. Like that would be the worst place to hide, you know, just for the safety of your Borg cube. Like you would want to hide in there, right? Well, and maybe not right. in there, you know, but maybe she is just on the surface of it, you know, kind of kind of just below where there's not a yeah. whole lot of heavy activity. Yeah, right. And and I think they do give the scale some justice in that second pullback shot where you see sort of the profile of the Borg ship and the Enterprise-D, and it pulls way back, and, and Jupiter is basically vertical. Like, that actually made the most sense scale-wise. Like, that looked cool. I was like, oh, finally some scale that makes sense, you know? But, you know, so, it, it just was cool. Yeah. Um, well, and we, I, I mean, I guess we don't know the size of the Borg cube, but we know that it's, well... I I thought that it's only 35% built. So whatever size it is, it's 35% of that. But you think it's 35% functional, so it may have been completely built. But regardless, the storm is three times the size of the Earth in diameter. Yeah, that, that's, that gives you a sense of how big Jupiter... You can fit like thousands of Earths in Jupiter or something like that or something, some crazy number like that. So yeah. it would it's just unfathomably large, like a Dyson sphere. This keeps coming back, this whole scale thing. In Star Trek. Well, yeah, and I mean, it it does make sense to a certain extent. Like we, they want it to look impressive, and they want it to have some kind of detail on it. But logistically speaking, or rationally, but in the form form of ratios, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. No, it's good. It looks pretty shot. It's a neat dynamic shot where you see both in the same frame. Yeah, which is always the. The intention is what they want. So mm-hmm. they, they fudge it a little bit. But everything else was scientifically accurate in the this, in this show. Everything. Yeah. Down everything. To the, yep. uh, d- down to the USB ports that Picard uses later. That he stabs into the back of his neck, yeah. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that later, too. Yeah. Yep. Boy, that pissed me off. Oh, that that was your breaking point? No, I was fine up until then. I was elated watching the whole thing. I was like, oh, but that doesn't make sense. 
Oh. That, does, that, that doesn't clear up. Okay, so here's another thing that didn't make sense that, um, that really pissed me off. Okay. So these new Borg, the mm-hmm. new Borg, mm-hmm. the young Borg, yeah. the Padawan Borg. The Borglings? The Borgettes? The... No, that sounds female. What? <laughs> See, I wonder how many people are going to know what you were about to sing. Right, just based on that one word, yeah. Just based on that one <laughs> word. So anyway, they're all like Borg now, right? They're Borg because they have like, I'm assuming a bunch of nano something or other. We don't know how they're being assimilated because there's no technology inside of them. This is all being done with the DNA, with evolution. Mm-hmm. That is how we assimilate the future. Yeah, um, and through an annihilation. Yep. I Right. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Uh, and so, so the they've, they've is, kind of created a hive mind rather than the technological advancements. Right. But they're still the humans that they used to be, unless there's something else going on that they didn't talk about in terms of strength. Um, they're still just people, right? So guns still work on them. Phasers still work on them. Like the, the, one of the biggest problems and threats about the Borg was that they had shields that would right that would adapt. Mm-hmm. That would adapt. They mm-hmm. don't have that, so yeah. you can still shoot them, and they will they will die. They will bleak. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I guess you don't want to do that because they're all still. I mean, everyone's doing the math. That well, we, like you we said, yeah, they're still the later. people. Mm-hmm. Right. So you can still guess what stun stun them. them. Yeah. yeah. Knock them out. Knock them out. And then put them in a put them in a cage. They did have this kind of fun thing that Seven, I guess, invented, where it's like a a shooting, a portable uh, beam me sh- up. Yeah. yeah, you can, which was a good idea because maybe they were like jamming the teleporter signals or the transporter signals. Right. So you couldn't just beam them out of the thing. So that made sense. Well, and they they could have done it with just such a simple scene where they could have taken from one of the endings and, and they could have taken the time from one of the endings and had them genuinely stun the crew and like, they collapse and get back up. And then they just say there must be something about the hive mind that is keeping their brains active or something like that. Right. They're basically like zombies in a way. Kind well, yeah. I mean, especially if they're if they're working in a hive, which also like it would have been amazing if when the Borg collective realized that there were these threats, that the essentially organically dead Borg were brought back to life through the technology and started attacking Worf and Riker. Yeah, that would have been cool. Yeah, yeah. There are all these places you could have gone. Yeah. Um, but it just kind of, it, it, they were leaning on the previous canon of Borg, which is like there are these unstoppable drones that, mm-hmm. that are just menacing. Meanwhile, they're still the five foot one, you know. Right. Well, yeah, they they're unstoppable for. because they're unstoppable. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and they they did do a good job of making them menacing in a way. Mm-hmm. I think because of the way they looked and they were just they had no humor and they kind of had the voice that was like doubled, you know, yeah. the octave below. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that worked, but you could still shoot them and nothing would happen. Like they yeah. weren't being protected or anything like that. Right. In fact, you could still do the thing that they've done many times in many of the Star Trek shows where they flood the whole ship with gas to knock everybody out. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, they could or have done a million of- different things. Teleporting them to the transporter, you could have done a site to site, which is all transporters, but on ship site to site and transported them to the brig and be done. Yeah. Or just keep them in a buffer, you know? Oh, yeah. Scotty style. Right. Although it's unclear how many people you can keep in a buffer. You get the sense that buffers are very uh, volatile. 
Yeah. You don't want to keep them in there too long or stuff, weird stuff starts to happen. They start coming out as, <laughs> well, they're either in there for 70 years or you make clones by accident or you make um, amalgamations of people, which is a big, you know, big problem in Star Trek, apparently. Right. Happens all the time. Yeah. Um, Enough for there to be a huge con. It just seems like that the way that they decided to do just a, an attack on the, uh, on the bridge just, I mean, it worked obviously, but it just seemed like a, a risky move, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they, they, they managed to do it. And seven says, okay, we're going to use our cloaking tech to kind of snipe at the fleet. Mm-hmm. There's what looks to be 10,000 ships shooting at one space station. Right. And then they're going to be like, no, we're going to get them. It's going to take about 72 years, but eventually we'll, we'll be able to, you know, we'll, to, we'll to make a crack. Yeah. Yeah. But the problem is I don't understand what their plan was because they were like next to all of the other ships. They were flying very close to it, shooting, and then going back into cloak. Right. Why don't you get behind the fleet, right? You get behind them where they're not looking you know, or not concentrating. But when you fly directly in front of somebody else's shotgun barrel, they're going to see you and be like, oh, we should shoot at them now. But if you're like materialize behind them where they're not expecting a threat to be, and then you, you know, you recloak after you fire some torpedoes and stuff, that seems like a better strategy. Well, so that's kind of the impression that I got was that they were, they were weaving through the ships. They weren't necessarily staying in front of them. And that they started to be able to actually hit them because they were using a predictive algorithm to figure out where they were going to be. And for me, like, given the amount of ships that were there, it doesn't seem like there's any way that they would have missed. Because if every ship chose a different prediction, one of them would hit it. Yeah, or just somebody pick just a random point in space that is one that that is open and just start shooting, right? Like, it seems like they'd be able to take care of, there's so many ships. Mm Mm-hmm. There were so many of them that it seems like you'd be able to quickly get rid of that problem because they've established that you can still see cloaked ships. Like there's always some workaround where you can see, oh, like their exhaust or whatever. Like that's, you know, that's the old school way. And then there's like all these other things that like Tuvok probably thought of or something like that. There's just ways around it, right? So if you put together, if you outsource the collective to say like, everybody think of a way, try and think of a way. Right. Right. We have... We now have the accumulated knowledge of everything. Everything. Like it makes more sense to me to drop photon torpedoes as you're going by these ships instead of coming out of cloak. Yeah, I mean, they may have done that and they ran out because those Mm. are limited. Right, right, right. That's true. That's fair. But anyway, the problem, I mean, this is one of the problems that we saw in this episode, which was a lack of ingenuity from from our smart people on the show. It's just like, okay, well, let's just start shooting at people. Ready, go. Fire. Well, okay, so to be fair, in in that regard, they were not the smartest people. Like they're seven to nine. It's seven to nine. Like seven to nine, yeah. But everybody else was smart. Like, I mean, there was the pilot who's like, uh, I dropped out of the class for piloting. You know, I've been turned into a cow. Can I go home? (laughs) Yeah, you're right. I mean, I I appreciated the sentiment they were doing. Like, hey, we're the gen- we are the Federation now. This ragtag group of people of old people, right? Yeah. yeah, let's make do. You know, um, mm-hmm. and everybody's like, she, and she gives the speech like too late because it seems like that speech should have come when he said, "I can't do this. I'm just a cook." You know, yeah. No matter, I, I feel like even no matter what the speech that Seven gave, I would have been like, "Yeah, I'm still a cook, though." Right. Like, 
I, I still I don't have the skills. It's not like I was the pitcher who doesn't have the confidence to come out and win the big game. Mm-hmm. This is not a confidence problem. This is a, <clears throat> I don't know what this button does problem. Right, <laughs> right. right. Yeah, but the the impression that I got from it was like he was the only one who had any kind of piloting training, which also doesn't quite make sense, but we'll go with it. Yeah, it's like I know how to drive my car pretty well. I've been doing it for a while, you know, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't make me a good candidate to fly an airplane. Right. Well, or even go on to the uh, Ford 500. Yeah, it is now. So if you're still listening. Uh, yeah, there was just seems like there seems like there's a much better way to do all of these things that they did. I, I don't want to say better way because this is the Star Trek way. This is what Star Trek looks like, right? You have no elaborate. You have the creepy. Sorry, you. This is what Star Wars. Did I say Star Wars or Star Trek? You said Star Trek. Okay, I'm sorry. This is what Star Wars looks like. Okay, you have the creepy Senator Palpaborg, right? right. Mm-hmm. Who is deformed and laughs maniacally you know there's one thing that i don't like my my board queens doing it's laughing maniacally uh at a futile act of a human right or something like that right she was doing that quite a bit she was such a she was such a villain like she never did Mm -hmm. that once in first contact she never she was never not calm she was always calm and collected the only times that she wasn't was when data betrays her Mm -hmm. and then she just kind of raised her voice a little bit yeah so she was always just, she never yelled. She, ne- she was always just like, she's, she's always kind of in the way that Vatic was. Where just, she was never ruffled. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. It just empathetic pity would be so, so much more terrifying. Oh, you know? yeah. Instead of yeah. laughing maniacally like a villain, just like, oh, it's so cute how hard you are trying to beat me. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Well, and I guess maybe there have been some Star Trek villains who are this way, who are like Senator Palpatine, right? What's the actual Borg, the Emperor? Do we have a name for that? Like, the, what? Who's the Emperor? Did the did the Emperor have a name in Return of the Jedi, or was it just the Emperor? I can't remember. I, I thought he was Emperor Palpatine. I think Palpatine is like an, a prequel thing. I think Palpatine is a new name. Anyway. Oh. So you have that. You have the Senator Palpatine version of the Borg. Which is this? Which was kind of creepy. I was like, "Oh, this could be kind of cool." You know, what what did the Borg Queen have to do to herself to remain existing? Because the interesting part about this Borg Queen to me was there her where she came from. Because we were wondering, okay, where is uh, Borgness? You know, where where is that Borg presence? And I was thinking, how do you reconcile? season two and this kind of Borg queen. Cause at the end of episode nine, we were thinking, Oh, this is the whole Borg. This is the Borgs. This is the entire Borg collective. This is their new idea. But in fact, it's not, this is sort of a rogue Borg queen who decided to round up as many drones and as many ships as she could to reestablish herself as the Borg queen. And the reason she's all deformed and stuff is because Picard killed her and she managed to survive somehow. And this is this is the result of that. So that worked for me. That was fine that this was not the actual Borg. This was this sort of fringe Borg. The outlier, right. Right? Mm-hmm. So that was fine. It just – they didn't go into that. They just sort of – she just kind of said that and they, they, were, they, were, they were done. Mm-hmm. Where it would have been interesting to see a very short like one-minute montage of her explaining how – she managed over the years, you know, because first contact didn't happen that long ago. 
in, right. the, in the Star Trek universe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how did you do this? Like, where did you come from? How did you manage to get all this stuff? That would have been so great if there was a voiceover of her, like, yeah, actually rebuilding. Because yeah. then, it, then it would have shown kind of everything that you're talking about. It should have, like, because you're, you are inferring a lot based on, you know, the evidence provided to you. So it's not a huge leap to make these things. But to see that it actually is the first contact Borg queen. Because the other thing, too, about that is that's not that much farther in the future than when Borgness was first created as well. You know, right. that's maybe, what, like 40 years-ish? So we'd have these two developing Borg, one with huge vengeance on her mind and the other one with the idea of being a collaborative alien race. And it just would have been a great way to tie everything together. And so, like, the fact that Picard is fighting this Borg queen by himself, even though, as you just said, there is this other Borg that is out there that is on very pleasant terms with Picard, why they were not at the very least reached out to. I guess they said, let's just not bring it up. People probably will forget about it. You know, it doesn't really exist in the same universe anyway. It's not even the same show. All right. So that's probably what they did. Another way that this is Return of the Jedi is, so in Return of the Jedi, they have to go destroy the Death Star by navigating into the Death Star with the Millennium Falcon to go destroy mm-hmm. the inside of it. And there's this whole scene where they're where they're flying the Enterprise D in between all the different pylons yeah. and metal things to get to the center. It's like, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder, is this somebody who hasn't seen Star Wars? I just don't see how a whole writer's room read this and be like, oh, this this is okay. Well, yeah, this, this is great. Sense. We've never seen this before. Yeah. Yeah. What happened to clever ways of getting around stuff like this? Right. You know, using the using the deflector shield to do stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, why didn't Data... Data essentially became Tom Paris right. in this, where it's like, no, I can do this. I, you got to trust me, Captain. Yeah. I know what I'm doing on this. I mean, I guess it was still a computer flying the ship, so I can't really complain there. Yeah, but, but again, it, I mean, if... Picard has, well, and we even know Data does. We He's got a USB port on the back of his neck. Like, they could have said, your reaction time is not fast enough between what your brain is doing and what your arms are going to do. We need you to hook up to the computer. Yeah. I'm sure they have a, a Bluetooth connection, too, if they needed to, like, in a in a pinch. Right, yeah. And I didn't buy the whole Data thing where they were trying to humanize Data. I mean, obviously, the point of this arc for Data was that he's now a human or as close as he possibly can be to mm-hmm. a human. He, mm-hmm. he did it. Yep. He's finally gotten what he wanted. So I, I get that, but you could have done that in not such a, an ostentatious way. Right, but, I, right, but he still has this port on the back of his neck. He still has movie eyes. Like there's still so many things of the movie eyes. <laughs> Forgot about that. There's still so many things about him that are Android, you know, that like, yes, he is experiencing emotion in a way that he didn't before, I guess. Like, right. Which I also didn't quite understand. Cause again, this was first contact rehashed like him at the end when he was talking about how he wept when he watched somebody feeding a cat, like, yeah, remember when you found Spot and you were so happy and you started crying and you were like, I don't understand where these tears are because I'm so happy? Yeah, I didn't, like, I feel like they were putting a hat on a hat with him mm-hmm. because all you needed, if you wanted to have that arc of him finally becoming human, you had that line that Marina says when they're actually flying in the Borg cube where she says, I'm, I'm sensing joy or something like that. And they pan to Data who's smiling as he's piloting the ship. That's all you needed. 
He, like at that moment, we got it. Right. We understand what's happened. You don't need them to be in a therapy session where you talk where you, he lays out and just hits us over the head with the sentiment that they already expressed mm-hmm. two dozen other times. And then we get to where Picard – so they, have, they decide they have to go beam onto the Borg ship to suss out what's going on and destroy it from within. Right? They go rescue Jack and yeah. also right. yeah. turn off the deflector field, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So they don't take the super the android with superhuman strength and a positron brain. Uh, they don't take him. No, they take the three oldest people yep. on the ship. Yep. And granted, they took Worf, who deserved to go. Right? He needed to go, mm-hmm. which was fine. Okay. But the two right. other old guys, and they, it didn't hit home for me that no, I have to go save my son. It's like if you want to save your son, you send the people who can do it. Right. 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 Why does Crusher let him go to save his son when she has spent this whole time with him? And why doesn't like why doesn't she push harder when she's like, you know, he, he's my son too? Like if if that's yeah. his reason for going, then she has even more of a reason to go. It was a little odd that she was manning the computer at that point. She was never really a computer person. I mean, she knew how to use all of her medical tech technology, but right. Beverly was never somebody who was really super savvy with like the instruments on the bridge. You never really see her doing that a lot. I'm sure she does it in the show a couple of times, but that's not really her shtick, right? right? Mm-hmm. She did figure out the whole brainwave thing. That's her job. Right. That's her job. That's her medical input, her her participate, her contribution. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I mean, I understand they wanted the idea that she's helping save her son. She's not just standing by. Mm-hmm. So at a certain point, they all just kind of became characters in a new show and not characters from the old show. Today. Right. Right. I would agree with that. And then Picard comes upon Jack who is plugged in to the collective. They gave him a little eyeball target sensor, even though he's not really a drone, well, but they, they gave, gave that him to him. a full Borg suit, which made me wonder, like, you know, is, is that one of the requirements of being Borg? That I you guess so. Get I mean, suited up? Like, was that grafted onto him? And now, like, he's, I mean, obviously not, but it's also a year later, so maybe he's recovering, but it was... It, it, it was RoboCop. It was like RoboCop. It totally like, was. Yep, I was like, well, and it's the new RoboCop. Like seeing that full black outfit, you know, and like his hands were still open. I was like, is that part like the only the only part that's still good? Because they want to make sure that a human hand is the one pulling the trigger. (laughs) Yeah. So Picard gets to Jack and he's like, I'm not going to let this happen. I'm going to assimilate myself so I can talk to you. Like there were a lot of assumptions that Picard made. Number one, that this power cable uh, was also an assimilation cable. Uh Maybe Borg technology is like the ultimate compatibility cable like every cable does everything right. one cable does everything right right yeah but so he just sticks it in his neck and it'd be funny if the board was like yeah that's the that's the power cable all right all you're gonna you're just gonna <laughs> draw Fry yourself blood. right yeah uh but he does that and he also assumes that he's going to in some way be connected to jack in in some distinct way where he can talk to him and they can talk to each other i mean i guess yes he's had he's had borg experience with this but he's he's a robot now right right? he's a positronic robot so first of all um if data could not be assimilated in first contact neither can picard because they're like the same type of being Mm -hmm. and if the borg queen could have just assimilated data she would have done that right right? because she wants data i mean i guess i don't remember what the if she ever explicitly says we can't assimilate you because you're a robot well she wanted it to be his choice she wanted him to see the appeal of being Borg. Right, which would have been the first time that the Borg queen or the Borg wanted to have somebody choose to be a Borg. Mm-hmm. The first time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I don't, it's, it's unclear 
what the assimilation opportunity is <laughs> with a positronic being. But anyway, so they, they, they do that whole thing with the, with the cable, and she says, don't pull the thing out, you're going to kill him, but she keeps pulling stuff out. And they have this moment inside of the thing, and it's, it's kind of well edited in the sense that they keep cutting back and forth to Jordy and Riker and Worf, and there's all this stuff going on with inside the Borg cube. But there's a point where Jordy makes the decision to fire torpedoes at the thing, and they know it's going to blow up the Borg ship. And Riker and Worf make the decision to stay behind. They find Picard and do nothing to help him. Right. Mm -hmm. I guess they can't do anything, so it was a bad decision. It just wasn't very interesting writing. They're like, no, I'm going to sacrifice myself to find Picard. But ultimately be powerless and just stand there and have a conversation with Worf. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So I just didn't it just it felt very poorly constructed at this point. By the way, Worf making just as many one-liner jokes as he was in the second episode. Yeah. Well, just want to make that clear. At least this time there was, you know, Riker said, "Do you even hear yourself?" Right. He was talking to the writers though. He wasn't talking to Worf. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um it just I, I don't know. It, it wasn't interesting. Like what are your I know you said you had gripes. What are your gripes? I mean, you've kind of hit everything and then just the last part was with Picard and Jack, uh, or JL and Jack in the, the nebulous, um, like why it, it, I know that it would have been an, a hard left. Like it definitely would have been a twist and it would have been a super dark ending if Picard connected himself and just became part of the Borg like that. And the, the Borg queen won, you know, and, uh, both <laughs> Picards had to be lost at the same time. Like, well, you have that same ending of them playing cards, which was just obnoxious to me. Mm-hmm. You have the same ending. And then as you pull back, as the, the camera is pulling away from the table, as it did in All Good Things, right? Mm-hmm. That's what they were mimicking. Mm-hmm. They're referencing that. It pulls back. And as you keep pulling back, it's, it's it's a glint in the eyeball of an assimilated Picard, right? And he's just standing in his alcove regenerating, right? Right. And so it's all taking place in his head. Yeah. He's like been given this weird life by the Borg Queen so he can pretend that he's Which also he's ties still... into like generations in the Nexus. Yeah. Yep. Right. Or and you keep pulling back and he's still in the Nexus, right? Right. He always wanted to be Borg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um that's that's his way. But yeah, so he's in the nebula and he's talking to Jack and it was like I said, it's just let sleeping Borg lie. Like, you know, you you're better than this. We know you. You've got to come back to us. We know you're in there. Yeah. yeah. You got you got exactly what you wanted or what you predicted. I don't know if you wanted that or not. No, not, not <laughs> at all what I wanted. It. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I mean, but the the thing is, once you've written yourself into that corner, how how are you going to get out in a way that hasn't been already played in Star Trek? Like, we know you're in there. Love will find a way. Data's way of, like, actually... <laughs> you know, resisting the Borg Queen the entire time. And the other part to that too was like, um, you, you've changed my life forever, you know? And dude, it's been like, what, five days? Yeah. Maybe a week? Like, I get that we've been with this guy for 10 weeks, but you haven't? That little bit of writing was was so forced onto Picard. Well, it was trite. Mm-hmm. It's just something that you hear all the right. time. How many times have we seen that scene? Yeah. A billion times. And it just wasn't very creative. It wasn't, it wasn't, it was a problem they didn't solve using ingenuity of Star Trek people, right? right? It, it could have been solved in so many more interesting techno science fiction-y ways. And they just chose that route because that, that's the easiest way out, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so then we had our, you know, 37 different endings. It just kept ending and kept mm-hmm. ending and kept ending. Yeah, I looked and they had like finally killed all the Borg and, everything, and it had that final hugging shot on mm-hmm. the Enterprise D bridge and it fades to black. I'm like, oh, it's done. And I look down at the timer. Or the it's like 20 minutes left. Bar. Yeah. It's like 20 minutes left. Like what? What else are they going to do? Well, no, no, no. Just like, it was like, okay, there's probably going to be some kind of epilogue, you know? And I was, I genuinely thought that like, there'd be like maybe five minutes of wrapping up and then there would be the credits and there'd be kind of like a, a making of, or, you know, a send off of like thanking the fans or something like that. Just, you know, a beautiful little like message to us in like the last 10 minutes. But no, it was, it was 20 minutes of like, same thing as the, uh, uh, Law and Order Strange New Worlds episode, you know, where they like they had four people write a closing script for her and they were all so good that they were like, you know what? Let's just use all of them. <laughs> yeah. And it was just, uh, it was so unnecessary. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do all of that with, by in, in, inferring. Yeah. Right? Or implying rather. And I, I didn't like, I mean, they, they had all of these scenes where they were just spelling stuff out for us. Like they had that whole scene with Seven of Nine and Rafi on the ship of the Titan, or sorry, the Enterprise, where Rafi does the most lazy writing convention ever, which is, I still can't believe that the Federation allowed a Borg queen. You know, it's like they did that, that we're going to bring everybody up to date by having somebody say how they can't believe something. Mm-hmm. It's so lazy. Yeah. And by the way, the fact that you're standing there, we're going to do the math that the Federation allowed it, that you're not, you didn't sneak onto the ship right. as captain. Right. right. By the way, so Jack comes on board, he starts giving orders, and it's like, no, 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 step aside, which was fine. I, I was okay with that. I liked it a little bit. But then they, they said, okay, where do you want me? Do you want me on ops? you want me on, uh, you want me to pilot the ship? What do you want me to do? And she's like, no, you, friend, are special counselor to the captain, which is so condescending. It's like, we have a little booster seat for here, right here by next to the captain's chair. It's almost the same thing as when they give the little pilot wings to the five-year-old on his first airplane flight. And I thought it was funny. <laughs> it's like, no, why, why am I here? Well, yeah. But the, the thing about all of that that like irritated me was, you know, he's like giving orders and she's like, no, 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 step aside, Ensign. Like he's the lowest ranking. And then, you know, you're, exactly what you said. You're like, no, 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 you get this little booster seat next to me, you know, like right. as a special counselor. I mean, but that was totally so I can keep an eye on you. I mean, I guess what they were doing is they were they're creating a new show, right? They started a new show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think pilot. they're going. Yeah. They're, they're, is there going to be a new show? Probably not. It doesn't seem like I've not heard anything about this. Um, I would watch it. I'd be curious. Yeah, what they would be trying to come up with, like what the what would the feel of the new show be? Would it be in this kind of vein? Would it be very dimly lit? You mean? Well, yeah, that which I'm fine with. I like dimly lit Star Trek, but would it be a continuation of Picard, or would they kind of do a new show? Mm-hmm. Would it be kind of a new thing? Well, and also I'm, I am not opposed to any of these characters now. You know, Jack, Jack has grown on me. Uh, he's, you know, a little bit of a swashbuckler. I, I like Seven. Um, I like Junior LaForge. Um, mm-hmm. I'm n- yeah. not a fan of Rafi, but I like Michelle Hurd. So I could easily, you know, have her grow on me as well. Oh, so that was another part. Like this show made it feel like Worf took his very first semester of Klingon studies and was a Klingon expert because as like a warrior, I mean, I, I was trying to think about it and like, maybe we've just never seen what happens after battle for Klingons, but for him to fall asleep on the bridge, like just felt, 
again, like it felt like they didn't know what to do with Worf other than make him the straight man com- comic. Yeah. Again, once again, he is the comic relief of the show. Somebody come at me in terms of why you think that's not the case mm-hmm. at this point. We've seen the whole show. Before we were at a disadvantage because we hadn't seen the whole show. Yeah. You know, now I've seen the whole show, nothing's changed. Mm-hmm. And it was fine if they had predicated him being kind of a sleepy, wise man right. type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where when he's awake, he's very deadly, but he's sleepy because he's he's an older man. Like that, but they didn't do that in terms of setting him up for that. It would have been great if he, even if the whole show is like, I'm just so tired, I haven't slept. You know, like the whole like every episode, you give him right. I will sleep when, when, when we're done. Right. Right. And he sleeps. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. That would have been totally fine. So good. That would have been so good if yeah. They're like you know, he just makes some kind of comment. People are like, you know, you you need to go get some sleep. He's like, I will sleep when we are done. You know, and yeah. just. And then, then he falls yeah, asleep. It would have been such so an emotional good. release, right. too. Yeah. Uh, well, and but, instead of like instead of doing a head shake, like oh, wharf, you know, they kind of like dim the lights and they bring him a blanket. They just like, <laughs> kind of go into the ready room to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but well, they didn't. Do but that. they didn't. All right, that. but I'm. Well, here's what I'm excited about. Can I tell you what I'm excited yeah. about? But now we're done with Picard, so we can watch the musical episode of Strange New World. Yes, time to move on. Yeah. Time to move on. Um, all right, so not not a good episode. I, I mean, I guess in everything we've already seen, so it's not even unique or novel, so it's not a proper Star Trek either. No, yeah, I'm I'm going to say no on that. Yeah, even if it was, I'm not going to. We're going to look past it. <laughs> not going to give it that credit. Not going to give it that credit. Doesn't deserve it. Right. No. Um, okay. Tune in next week for a different show. Totally different. Yeah. Well, I've been Jonathan, and I've been Paul, and. Uh, Well, and I've been disappointed, and you've been too. (laughs) I've been too. And this has been a measure of an episode. Uh, Do I have to do the voice? i got to do a voice. What's the voice that I was going to do? I was going to do, but as you humans say, you already knew that. In human parlance.